Hey, Breaking Brown family, what's going on? It's your girl, Yvette Carnell, coming to you as I do every Monday and Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and we're going to have an interesting conversation today. Today's conversation is going to be about something that you all have asked me to talk about for a while, and I just didn't want to get into that. Um, but today, I think we're going to have a very balanced conversation about, um, you know, Dr. Umar Johnson. Roland Martin and that debacle of an ambush slash train wreck that we saw on the Roland Martin show a little while ago. Um, but before we do that, as usual, everybody, let's do what we got to do. Get your libations. You know, now's the day where, now's the time where you can have some libations. That's what we do. That's what we do during this time. Hey, everybody in the YouTube chat. Get yourself together. Like I say, put the baby down. Make sure everybody's situated. Everybody got whatever food or drink or snack they're going to come and ask you for while we're talking because we're not going to slow down. I'm going to try to keep it on track so that I can take in, you know, a, a, a couple more calls maybe. But if you can call in, keep it, keep it, keep it concise, <laughs> okay? Just keep it concise for me. Um, for those of you who don't normally come here or this is your first time here or just your second time here, please hit the subscribe button. Also hit the notifications button so you get notified when I'm online in case you forget or whatever. This just assures that you come back here. Um, also, and you don't have to wait. Like if I'm a few minutes later, whatever, you have to sit around and be like, when she got, you'll get the little note. Bzz, done. Beautiful. Now. Also, you can go to breakingbrown.com. That's breakingbrown.com. And you can make a one-time donation or a monthly donation to what Irony and I do here. Um, you can also go to donatebrown.com and make a one-time donation. You can also subscribe to the newsletter, which is $2 a month, um, which is 50 cent per newsletter, where I send links to news that you might have missed because this is all about political education. So I send the links to make sure that, you know, we're getting a political education and you don't have the time to look through all this stuff during the week and see, okay, what did I miss? I send you the links to stuff that I think is important to black news, black politics. So again, you can get that newsletter at breakingbrown.com and, and, and take care of that for me. If you are, if you do groups, if you do groups, um, please put it in your group, share this link in your group. And you know, army, I forgot to tell you, I might not be here on Monday. Hi. Okay, so I know you like to do the show on Monday, so, um, and I think if, if I can, I might do a makeup show on Tuesday, and then we'll have three shows. I may have a show, I have two shows, and we'll just make up for all that. So just keep in mind, keep that in mind um, for Monday and Tuesday going forward, okay? So if we, have, if we have had time for everybody to get their libations and everything, if you've had time to do what you have to do. And get yourselves together and get yourselves situated in the right frame of mind. We are going to have a conversation about something that came across my Facebook a few days ago, like two, three days ago, whenever it was. Apparently, Dr. Umar Johnson went on the Roland Martin show and everybody is now all up in arms. People are taking sides. One side <laughs> is shouting, get rid of them hotels. And the other side is shouting, get rid of these bougie Negroes who think they know everything and these crazy feminists. You're going to have to uh, explain what, to people what the hotep is. I don't even know. Hotep, hotep is, we were here first. I guess, I don't know. It's a name, it's a name made up 
y'all know what the hotel is. Somebody give people a it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a funny thing to define what a hotel is. It's what a, a greeting. Hotel it's like some African yeah, greeting, but but right? that ain't what they mean when they call Doctor Umar a hotel. They that's don't true. mean anything nice by that. That's that's <laughs> not what that. It's an insult, okay. right? So so for those of you who did not um, catch it, all of this actually came from the Breakfast Club. So if you go back to that first clip, right. that clip number one, go back to that. He was on. Dr. Umar Johnson was on the Breakfast Club. You know, Charlemagne the God always called him trouble. But he was on the he was on the Breakfast Club and he was talking about a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff that was talked about. Interracial marriage was one of All right, we should be back. All right, can you hear now? Can everybody yeah, yeah. hear now? Is the yeah, sound yeah, yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the sound back now? Good, good, good. Okay. All right, so when, when Dr. Umar Johnson talks about schools, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, he makes a lot of sense because we need black teachers. We need black teachers, but there's a reason Umar school ain't open, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's access to capital. Okay, so, but we're going to get to that. If you, go to the, if you go to this whole, everything he said on The Breakfast Club, Created the, the, the space for him to go on to the Roland Martin show and have another conversation. Okay? Now, you can go to that clip, too. Clip two and three. Clip two. This created another conversation. Now, let me just say this. I, I, I think part of the problem that we're having is not only how people feel about Umar, but, like, the conversation that we're having about him is problematic. And there are a number of reasons why. And I just think, for my part, that this discussion and this controversy that's going on, because I go on Twitter right now and black people are going at each other about Umar. Some people are like, he's a clown. He's, you know, he's stupid. He's a clown hotel. Get your black hotel. Some people are like, y'all don't, you know, uh, 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 Dr. Umar's the truth. And y'all ain't going to realize the truth until, until, uh, until Umar's gone. So we have like this infighting. And so part of the thing that I'm trying to assess as opposed to just taking sides right now is trying to assess why do we have this problem? Why do we have this issue? That's what I'm trying to understand. And I thought to myself when I thought about it, this is a great time to discuss this is a great time to have a conversation about black leadership and about some of the holes and some of the <laughs> ways that we have to assess black leadership. Now, if you go to clip number three, go to clip number three. Something happened. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. I would say you. this isn't fair. The problem is you're not telling any lie. I don't see fair. any lie. It, I don't I, see a lie. It, it, I mean... I, I, just, I just want to show you what black leadership ain't. Yeah, like like maybe he was photoshopped in that picture. Nah, put it up so they know what we're talking about. All right, so. That's what black leadership is not. So the first problem I have going into this is that Roland Martin he was set is up. not a black leader. Roland Martin is not a black leader. He is not, a, he is not somebody who has the interest. He has the interest of Democrats at heart and black Democrats at heart. 
That's okay. A, that's and a, that's and he, that's a problem. He's meeting well, with the candidate for the president of the well, United States. No, he's a black man meeting. So you're telling me he's not a leader? He's meeting with a, a woman who could no, be the leader. No, he's dancing with her. He's dancing with her. He's dancing with her. That's not that's not leadership. That's Donna Brazil's boy right there. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. So so what I have a so the first the first part, my problem is how you gonna call how you how how are you gonna take on Umar, and you and you're not gonna take on this guy right here? He invited him on. Now hold on. So he invited Dr. Umar onto the show. He invited Dr. He invited Umar onto the show, and basically, you know, I told somebody it was three to one, but basically it was four to one because it looked to me that Roland Martin was on the side of everybody else who was like, how could you be this way, Umar? How, what's wrong with you? What you don't understand is that when you say to Umar what's wrong with you, you're saying to black people what's wrong with you because black people built Umar. Yes. It might not be all black people, but what you have to understand is that this is a man who came up organically in the black community. How many people can say that? You. Yeah, but not like he is. I ain't raised $700,000. That's true. You know, so you have to understand... You have to understand that by lambasting this person, you are lambasting everyone who built him. I don't know a lot of people who grew organically in the black community. Most of the people that we see on MSNBC and NBC did not come organically in the black community. They were given to us. They were appointed as our leaders or as our spokespeople by white media. So even in that sense, you know, I know that, that, that Roland Martin initially wrote for a black paper. I know that. But he got his notoriety and everybody made him a household name at CNN. I don't know who those people were on that panel. If you had that clip, put it up. I don't know who the people were on the panel that were, that were like... I have, a, I, have a, I have a question for you, though. So that? if you get Hillary Clinton on your show, you're not going to teach her how to dance? I don't care about... I don't care about that. Right. Like, I don't care... I only care about policies. What policies do you have that are good or beneficial for the, for the black community, for the African-American community in this country? What policies do you have that are going to benefit us? I want to talk about that and that alone. I'm not dancing with you. I so don't do that. The million-dollar question is, if Uma Johnson has a one-on-one with Hillary Clinton, is he going to teach you how to dance? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I and I think, think that's so. why people respect him more than they respect Roland. Now, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying people are, oh, that's on Umar's team. I'm not on anybody's team. I'm going to tell you some ways that I disagree <laughs> with him too. But stop. You you get you get credit for organically coming up in your community. Ain't nobody made him. That money that he's that he's going to going to uh, be on Roland show and all that. That came from that came from black people. That's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to get seven hundred thousand dollars. He said he got on that show. He said he got seven hundred thousand. We knew he raised four hundred. It's a hard thing to get that much money from people who don't have money. So you know, when we don't have big money like that, we're 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 working class poor. That means that you have a significant number of people who believe in you. That means that those people don't believe in the people who are on that panel. They don't believe in Rome. They don't believe in um, uh, these people that they never heard of. Or who got these government jobs or whatever that they never heard of. They don't believe in you. You don't get to criticize somebody when they have a base and you don't have a base. You don't have a base. So you first need to understand what he's saying that's getting people on his side, that's rallying African Americans. Yeah. 
You need to understand that instead of being condescending. The worst thing about that whole back and forth, when he said whatever he said about um, interracial marriage, Umar, that, that she said, you, you, you know, you're, 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 you're smarter than that. That's not how you address somebody. That's a condescending. And that's why people don't like, a lot of times, don't want to deal with academics. That's why people don't want to deal with the professional class. Because you think you know more and you think everybody's stupid. And you think because somebody goes to a job and they don't have three degrees or two degrees, you think they're stupid. And people pick up on that. Oh, Umar actually does have those degrees, but he don't sound like, he don't talk like that. He talk, like, he talk back and forth regular. He don't try to be better than, he don't try to be condescending. Maybe you should try that sometime. And so when I look at that, I see a bunch of kind of condescending people. And that just, that just made, Dr., that just made Umar's point. That just made his point. And so what I'm looking at, and, and, and I mean, I, another thing, Roland was, even in terms of how Roland handled that interview, he was wrong. I mean, you're going to let this person call Umar a liar. But you're going to say you don't get to call, you don't get to use the word coon. I'm not a fan of the word. I'm not a fan of any of that. But one insult begets another. So the whole thing was just kind of, the whole setup was just kind of weird and unfair. Okay. That's what I was looking at. And so I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure out like, what's the deal? Like, and, and like, where do I come down in terms of what I think about what Dr. Umar says. Like, how, I mean, what do, what do, what do, you know, and I said, you know, because people, people have been asking me that for a while and I think it's time that, you know, I kind of at least take a moment to address where, where we agree and where we don't agree or what I think he gets right and what I think he gets wrong. And I think I can do that in a way that's not disrespectful and that's not condescending and still address the main points of the issue. There's going to be disagreement, but like, you know, one, one of the things that I think he's right about, you know, he, when he was on the breakfast club, he said something about, um, the black bourgeoisie or the, you know, caring more about themselves and, 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 and the people around them. And he was talking about another country, um, than they care about the people. And so that's why we get this. And that's called like, that's brokerage politics, right? That's true. That is true. You get these black bougie people, um, the, the black bourgeoisie. It's not even a real class because they don't really have no real money, no real resources. Right. So I don't call it the black misleadership class anymore. I call them black misleadership functionaries because they don't have no money. That's why they're making these things to get money from white people. And so when he criticizes the black bourgeoisie and says that they're looking out for themselves, it's the truth. When he criticizes, when he says part of the problem that Obama Part of the problem that 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 Obama that we have is that we went eight years with Obama and we didn't get anything, and that's going to have consequences. I told y'all that four five years ago that there's going to be a consequence of not making a demand of the first black president because the next white president is going to come along and say, "Why are you asking me when you didn't even ask your black president?" I said that too. That's pretty true, and on my on my factometer, that's true. I agree. <laughs> Okay, I mean, when he says, again, I think he was talking about somewhere else, but he was talking about immigrants coming into countries to build their own base, you know, as opposed to kind of having solidarity. I think he was talking about China. I haven't been to China. I don't know, but I see that here as well. So that's true. I agree. That's part of why they come. 
part of why they come is to build themselves up and their communities up financially. They're not looking necessarily for solidarity. And that's something that the Democratic Party misses when we try to make allies. We don't, you know, as black people, the people who represent African-Americans don't look for that in terms of looking at, okay, how are we, how are we building our allies? And what do these allies want to do with and for us? That's true too. Now, here's where, here's where Dr. Umar and, I, Umar and I kind of split ways. If you all saw the Jared Ball show, Dr. Jared Ball was on here and he talked about the myth of black buying power. I, see, I, think, I think Umar is right when he starts to assess the problem and where some of the problems come in. But when you start talking about black buying power, that's a myth. That's a myth. The racial wealth gap is not a myth, but black buying power is. And we've talked on this show about how you cannot assess a community's power by consumption. You assess that by the resources that they control. And part of our problem is that we don't, we don't have real wealth. We don't control orange groves. We don't control the orange <laughs> groves where they make the, 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 the orange juice that goes to McDonald's. We don't, we don't have defense contracts where we make planes and jets. And so, that's money. The money that you spend for Jordans is not real money. When you look, when, that's not the money. That, you can stop buying Jordans tomorrow and that'll be great. You can save money for your light bill. In case something happens, you might be able to save up a couple thousand dollars. That's great. But what I'm telling you is that that's not a recipe for community uplift. You know, part of the thing, excuse me one sec. Part of the thing, part of the problem that we have, Umar is like, well, you know, we have to build our own things. We have to build our own schools. But that's kind of like, that's kind of the thing you can do in a third world country, right? Like you can just get some brick. And something and build a little hut school or something. You can build your own schools, but everything is expensive in this country. You can't do that. And that's not even how our institutions and governments work. You can't do it that way and control it yourself. That's not how it works. And that's why Umar School isn't open right now is because $700,000 really ain't enough. I understand the accountability issues that, 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 that some people have had with him. I get that. But even if he had been totally accountable right now, he still wouldn't have a school. Y'all need to get that man at least about... You need to start off with at least five million dollars. Yeah. Just, 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 be, just if you want him to have a school, right? Because we're talking that's about the building, construction, maintenance. Yeah. Uh, you need janitors, teachers. Yeah. Teachers paid well because we just don't want to pay black teachers poverty wages. Yep. And since you're dealing with poor kids, it, it's it's actually more expensive to educate poor kids than it is to deal, to educate like upper middle class kids. So you're gonna need extra money. Yep. So yeah. It needs to be $5 million. At least. I mean, and that's a, that's a little number. Yeah. I'm starting off with a little number. That means you're still going to need more money. You're going to have to have consistent money, which means you're going to have to have black people who can consistently pay for that school, right? Not, And you know we're, we're, in sta- we're unstable. That's part of the problem. We're unstable in terms of our jobs. We're unstable. It takes 20 years. We talked about this on this show. It takes 20 years of stability to get out of poverty. How many black people know you? Do you know who have been stable? That's why we don't have good credit. We ain't stable. So you're going to need these people to pay. And I know it. somebody said it's creating a boarding school. That's even more expensive. Yeah. You got to have lights and stuff on. <laughs> you need 20 million. Seven. You need 20 by licensing yeah, and insurance. You, 20, and like, you, about you need 20 million. million dollars. That's a, you know how much it costs to bring them kids in. They got to live. That means you got to feed. You ain't, doing, you ain't doing just a lunch program. Yeah. And you're not getting no money from the government. For, the, for free lunch and nothing like that because he says I want to totally own it 
That's a lot of money. No. Because what you have to understand, see, the part of the thing with black people is that we don't understand cost. We live in the richest million. country in the world. In the richest country in the world, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, there is no choice. Everything's expensive. You don't get to go and look at what they do in third world countries and say, I'm gonna recreate that here. No, because the cost. You gotta, you, you gotta do, might as well just say, I, you gotta be white. You gotta be white. You gotta, cause that's who, that's the kind of person that has 20 million on hand. How, who you gonna go to to get 20 million? I'm talking about 20 million liquid. You gotta build up the school. Those kids are there 24-7. You talking about water, air, heat. That's a lot of money. 700,000 ain't gonna get it. 1 million ain't gonna get it. And then what you get when the kids ain't got no money and they drop it out of school because they don't have no money. We, well, the mama ain't got money for tuition this month. What are you doing then? Because that's, that's, that's the problem. You know, one of the problems that I had or one of the criticisms that I had, and you can, you can, um, and I want to, I want to read the quote. He said, our problem is totally mental. Our problem is totally <laughs> mental. No. He he's saying that our problem is that we reject our black our, our Africanness and in all areas of our life, and so that's a mental problem. What I'm saying, my disagreement with that is that no, we have a generational poverty problem. State sponsored. You can you can accept your Africanness all day. It ain't gonna change that you come from slaves. Right. That's it's not gonna change that. It's not gonna change that this country has rendered you an underclass. It's not going to change the fact that you don't have enough money to donate to Umar School to ensure that you have a black boarding school that takes care of young, young black kids and gives them the education they need and gives them the black teachers they need. You, we, that's why he doesn't have the money that he needs. It's not because of mentality. He don't have the money he needs, not because of mentality. He don't have the money he needs because we don't got the money. Now, state-enforced generational poverty and domestic terrorism that's the problem. That is the problem. Not mindset. That's the problem. Policies. Put up clip number five, Aaron. Yeah. We have policies in this country, which if you've been watching this show, we've gone over that again and again and again. We have poverty problems in this country. And it's not just this one. We can't get out of poverty. You know, Antonio Moore of Tone Talks said this is basically becoming a caste system. That's what happens when no matter what you do, you can't rise up. That's what happens. That's the consequence. That's the consequence of what happens when you can't rise up. Look at that. Child poverty rate for whites and Latinos has fallen, but remains high for African-Americans. You have like, you got to understand African-Americans for the most, we were here before Latinos and like their poverty rate falls and ours stays the same. That is an, that's when you have been rendered an underclass. That is the consequence do you, does anybody out there remember that lawsuit that I think it was Texaco, the discrimination lawsuit was filed against them, and they said that black people were like black jelly beans, and we stayed at the bottom. Anybody remember that? That's what it means. That's what it means to be an underclass. I've never heard of Nobody that. eat the black jelly bean. Nobody want the black jelly bean. It's the same. You gotta look up. I remember the lawsuit. Who said that going straight to hell? Who said yeah, that? Yeah, but he said it was a Texaco. I think it was Texaco. Lord have mercy. If it's not Texaco, if it's not Texaco, I mean no harm. It was a, it's true. And that's all. That's ooh. I mean, I mean no harm. If, it's, if it was a different oil company, please forgive. Don't do nothing. But I mean, because I can't fight Texaco. 
But nobody wants. They said the black jelly beans stick to the bottom. That's what they said, and so that's what it means to be an underclass. Because what they're really saying is, ain't nobody gonna pick you. <laughs> we know you don't have no money, you don't have no social capital, you don't have no leverage, you don't have no resources, and we know that by looking at you. And see, people think colorism is just about liking light-skinned people more. No, it's not about that. Like somebody might look at me and say, maybe they got, maybe she got a white mama or my white daddy. They look at, they might look at me and think that, right? So maybe they, they, and what they're really saying is maybe Yvette has someone that has some resources. I don't know by just looking at her. It's not just about white skin. America's about money. It's not just about light skin. America's about money. And when they look at you, when they look at you and you are a black person, they think, oh, they probably come from slaves. They ain't got no money. They ain't got nothing. I don't have to treat them good either because what they going to do? The government created that and the government has to fix it. Yes. You don't fix that by changing your mindset. There's no way to fix that by changing what you think. There's no way to fix that by viewing yourself as more African or more connected to Africanness. And I don't even know which African country you're talking about because Africa got like 54 countries. So I don't even know. You know, they all don't like each other. They all don't like each other. No, did you see those people in South Africa chasing other Africans around with machetes? What were they thinking about Africanness? (laughs) You have you have people that they. I mean, they don't even get along like that to to the point where we're like, well, all Africans. No, they don't. They have their own fights and and back and forth. So, I mean, I listen, and he says, well, we, 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 we're not, our problem is we're not American. I'm sorry, I am. You're not going to get me to leave the country that, like, my ancestors fought for and purchased with blood. And, we got, and we're not even, like, African. Like, we're not, like, let's, let's say, let it go, people. We're, yeah, that, we're, we're mixed up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> you slave, ain't African. slave masters. Slave, slave masters, poor white people. We've been living. We're one of the only people who we live beside the people that used to enslave us. We're all mixed up. And in the early part, we didn't even control. Black women didn't control their own bodies. We're all mixed up. You think I'm going to go to Africa and people going to see me like, no, man. And I don't even care you either. Just because, well, I'm brown. I'm darker than you. No, no, no. They know you ain't from there either. You're American. Own it. Own it. Because your people pay for you to own it. That you're paying for you to purchase it. I don't have to, I don't get to have to think of myself. You know, it's funny. One of the things the Tea Party said, I want my country back. You're not going to get it from me. <laughs> I'm not going to give it back to you. It's almost like the Tea Party is uh, saying, I want my country back. And then black people are saying, you can have it. I don't want it no way. What you mean? You got people who purchased this country with their lives. Fought with their lives to be considered citizens. And yeah, we ain't there yet. But you don't give up the fight. You don't give up the fight and say, this ain't my country. I think of myself as African anyway. That don't mean you can't ever show any solidarity to somebody that, that, that's going through oppression in Africa. I'm not saying, or a country, whether, whether it's Nigeria or Ghana or South Africa. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, understand, no. Just like that person is South African, you're African-American. You're a black American in this country. The sitting on slaves. That's who you are. There's no getting out of that. And I don't know why you would want to get out of it. This country is... The richest country in the world. Don't tell me nothing about no debt. America don't pay for what it want to pay for. <laughs> debt don't matter in this country. You think you think they're not gonna fund uh, uh, bonds because of because of debt? They do what they want to do. This country is always this country is always run roughshod and done what it wants to do. That ain't gonna change. Our job is to get our peace. Yeah, put up clip number six get when we talk cups. about mindset. Our job is That's to your get job. Our cup. And I think we've lost sight of that job. And there are some reasons why we've lost sight of what our job is. To get we got a cup. real job. Put that thing up. 
beautiful beam footage. Uh, tell the people what this is. This is a black jelly bean. This is why we, it says that like for black people, for African-Americans, for black, for black Americans, rising through the wealth ranks is difficult. However wealthy at birth, you can't rise. Like they set it up to where we're not rising and there's nothing that the government is doing to try to make that happen. We had, we had affirmative action for just like a little while. And then they, and then they, for the past four or five years, they've been taking it back piece by piece. Look at that. I mean, let me read this again. For black Americans, rising through the wealth ranks is difficult. However wealthy at birth. Because 7 out of 10, we, as we mentioned last show and the other show, 7 out of 10 black kids born into the middle class fall. Fall down. Fall out of it. Forget rising. Fall out of it. That's our situation. But that's a systemic situation. And that situation created by poverty. We talked about Jay-Z last week and how, and how, and how the government... Made it so black people couldn't get mortgages. And that's how the projects that Jay-Z was born into, that's how that came about. And it was supposed to be affordable housing. It was never supposed to be made into these ghettos. That's what that was about. We've talked about The Color of Law, that book. About how, you know, FDR, when they set up the New Deal programs, places that were integrated, white and black. The New Deal, seg the New Deal housing segregated them. That was the government helping create ghettos, helping create segregation, helping to put us in a position where we were going to become a permanent underclass. The government did this. You're not going to undo it, however good your intentions are. You are not going to undo that by saying, I'm going to raise money for a school. Because we don't have enough money for you to create the kind of school you need. It's not, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with Umar's intentions. I think his intentions are very good. Honestly, I do. But there's a reason why you've only raised 700,000 and you probably need at least 20 mil. For a boarding school? Yeah. Yeah. Stay in there? Yeah. And that's just the start. You have to have that, you have to have a capital flow every month. Your boarding school got to stay full and the parents got to pay. How? The, 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 the middle black family has 1,700. Single black women are like worth what, $5? Women who went to school are, are, are negative. No, women who went to school are negative. Yeah. Women who went to college like negative 11,000 or something. I mean, it's just how are we going to do that? And there's no. And if she stopped getting her hair done, it's still not enough money. No. It's still not enough money. So, I mean, one of the things we have to do, and you can put up clip seven. One of the things we have to do, we have to start learning how to count. I have said before, we have to learn how to count. We have to learn how to count. That's only that's 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 the only way this gets done is if we learn how to count. We don't know how to count. Yeah, that's good. That's a problem. Mm, this is a good clip. What does it say? No, we it's a, we well, it says our racial wealth gap is driven by policy choices. That means it's not financial literacy of individuals. It's not it's not technical education by our black workforce. No, it's policy choices. That means it will not be fixed by technical education. Mm. It will not be fixed by financial literacy. It will be fixed by policy choices that steers money and capital into black communities. Nope. It won't be cured by your mindset. 
It will not be cured by your mindset. You can change your mindset tomorrow. It won't be cured. You can you can wake up tomorrow. Every black person in this country can wake up tomorrow and say, I I I I, I accept my Africanness. I'm going to do business with black people, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put black people first, Africans first, and it won't change. You may see some marginal changes, but it won't change the fact that we're underclass in this country. It just won't. And so, you know. That's the problem with that. When when Umar says that there's a purge of black African Americans going on, I agree. I mean, I think I actually think we're kind of at you know nearing an extinction moment, and we don't know, and we don't want to do anything about it. That's a problem. So I agree with him on that point. But one point where I disagree with him is he said, "Well, this is about and this is you know white genetic survival." No, no, no. This is about money. This is about money and power. I don't nobody care about what the genetic. This is about money and power. And they, and if you, if you, if they do get rid of you, it ain't just because they don't like you or your black skin. It's just because yeah, well, we don't need that many to exist. Yeah. It's we not about. Else to, uh, show to get me our, some evidence of white genetics. Show me some evidence of that. No, no, they found someone else to clean their houses. Is what they mean. Yeah. All right, we're done with we're done with black people. You want rights? Now you're just extra. Yeah, now you just I'm gonna find some. <laughs> we can get the we can get Mexicans, Hondurans, whatever in here. We don't need you no more for that. You don't you know you want to do a bunch of stuff and rabble rouse and you want labor rights. You want to you want fifteen dollars an hour when really if if wages had risen with productivity, it would be like twenty two dollars an hour, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be like twenty two dollars an hour. They don't even want to pay you that. They can get, they can, we can, America can go into other countries, destabilize those countries, send in a flood of immigrants who are desperate to work for cheap labor. And, and then, and instead of us saying, no, 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 stop doing that. Stop going over there and messing up stuff so these people can stop coming over here because I need a job. We're like, well, kumbaya, everything, everything, everybody, everybody. It don't work that way. It's much more complicated than that. It's just much more complicated than that. You know, and I think... I think what we have to do, you know, when I think about it, this brought up a problem of how black people, how African-Americans in this country, how descendants of slaves in this country assess our leaders. And it got me to thinking of what is the problem with how we assess our leaders? I don't get it. Like, why do we have, like, what I was saying online is that nobody quite knew why they liked or disliked Umar. It was like on based on an issue. It wasn't based on any set of values or any kind of set of ideology. It was based on like, well, I didn't like what he said about interracial marriage. Or I didn't like what he said about effeminization of, of boys. It was, but it wasn't about a set of issues that's best for most people. It was, it, so I said, well, what is wrong with our ability to assess leaders? And it occurred... You know, Army showed me this clip. And there's a, let me tell you, let me give you the background. Let me tell you a story that many of you already know. There was a, um, a young Black Panther leader in Chicago who was assassinated in his bed while he slept. He was sleeping with his pregnant fiance, who was eight and a half months pregnant. When wasn't it Chicago Police Army? Yes, it was. Chicago Ask the people police. who it was. We don't. We no, uh-uh. we're gonna get. We're gonna. We're gonna okay. lead up to who it was. Yeah. I want y'all to think and see if y'all know who this is. Yes. It was. This was a Black Panther who was shot to death. There were ninety, I think, bullets into his room. Yes. The Chicago Police had a blueprint of his apartment before they raided him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know who this is, this man that I'm talking about. 
a hero of the black community, um, was Fred Hampton. That's who it was. And the thing that I want everybody to keep in mind when we talk about Fred Hampton, and I'm going to get to why I'm bringing him up in a second. He used to say something. He said, I'm a revolutionary. I am a proletariat. I am the people. Not I am one man. Not I am this guy. Not I am, uh, I, I, I'm going to get mine, you get yours. Not I'm going to do the best I can. Not, you know, this is about hustling. I am the people. That's one thing we have to get back to, but he was only 21 when he was assassinated by the cops. Um, a very young age to knew all that he knew. And he said, you know, in terms of capitalism, he said, you don't fight white capitalism with black capitalism. That's what Fred Hampton said. And when they raided his room and shot him, one of the police officers, somebody who was there told him, said that one of the police officers, no, his, his fiance said, one of the police officers said, is he dead yet? Then another police officer said, started shooting again. They said he was breathing. They said he's good and dead now. Okay? I don't know how you have a black community or any power in this country while that kind of thing is still happening. But let me just say this. The reason they did that to him was to prevent the rise of what they call, there's a great thing on this on Democracy Now, go look at it, to prevent the rise of what they call the black messiah. They didn't want anybody who could move the masses towards any kind of empowerment. They didn't want that at all. And there's evidence that Hampton's bodyguard was actually an informant. And he was one of the most provocative ones. And there's, there's some evidence that Hampton was drugged the night that he was assassinated in his bed, sleeping next to his pregnant fiance. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, one thing I always say is that you got to get your traders first. That's why you got to deal with black people first. You can't deal with black people last. Like, we're just going to deal with white supremacy. No, we got to figure out who the provocateurs are in our midst. But the second thing I would say is this. I think that Fred Hampton had the, the there's, a, there's a clip, which Irony showed me, that shows that Fred Hampton had the recipe for what it takes to create good black leaders. And I'm going to show you this clip, and then we'll come back to it. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, let me set it Go up. Go ahead, on. All right, so Fred Hampton, there was another group that wants to start, and they wanted to run their constitution and their business by Fred Hampton to see if, like, they could work with the Black Panthers, another group in Chicago. So <clears throat> Fred Hampton, you know, trying to build a movement, says, yeah, I'll look at your constitution, I'll look at your group, and then he had some questions. And that's... That's where we go into the video. that's where we go into the video. All right. There's no educational program here? Uh, that's come out of social action. Thing. You know, you set that up, brother. I mean, we can't put everything on one piece of paper. What about this bank? Credit union? Mm -hmm. Credit union. Credit union, my brother. It is a bank. Hip, are you hip to credit unions? It is a bank. Yeah, are you go and buy money? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bank. It's a bank. Owned by the people. Run for the people. And by the people. What would money be given out to people for? Well, the people would decide that. You want to buy, you know, whatever, you know, the people in the community decide. You need some living room furniture, maybe? You need a car, maybe? See, I got, the thing is with me, you dig, I, I need to know some more about it. I wish you had some more literature about the educational thing here. 
because you dig, as far as we're concerned in, uh, in the struggle, we, when we look at struggle, is that uh, this depends on the educational thing, you dig? Because of... This depends on the education. Well, the whole thing. No, but in the end, this does. You, you can form this with no education. You can uh, form this, this. No, not the way we're talking about forming it. You know, right. We're talking about forming it, right. You know, it's not on the paper. We didn't write it on no, the paper. No, form it right with no education. No. Let me give you an example. Uh, you, you, your Mo Kenyatta formed the excellent revolution with no education. And on the day to the end thing, your Mo told the motherfucker, I said, well, uh, you know, uh, you've been educated to uh, uh, hate the enemy, but uh, I'm your brother. I'll help you lead the revolution. Now I'm more precious. Another example, Papa Doc in Haiti. Papa Doc in Haiti hated everything white. Man, you couldn't put this white paper in front of Papa Doc's face. But he moved all the white people out and he took over them to be yeah, oppressed when he did. Cause no education. And the people that had been educated, they just said that we don't hate the motherfucker white people, we hate the oppressor. Whether he be white, black, brown, or yellow. So we got to know your educational program to find out what it's going to be in the finale. A lot of people work. Your Mokinyat is called not a never a revolutionary, but an ex-revolutionary. So it's Papa Doc. They brought on a successful revolution. That thing in the mama's was a bitch. Bantu freedom fighters, all that kind of action. But what we're saying is, that it's the end. That you don't judge Castro now. You can't do it. Nobody in this room could judge whether Castro's going to be a revolutionary or not. Uh, you know what I mean? We're talking about things, you know what I mean, uh, with uh, China, the People's Republic, and even at the stage they're in now, talking about even going on further into a communistic state. That's what we're talking about. That was a revolutionary. So we got to understand here the educational program that you have to be able to figure out whether it will go on the right lines, where the people will end up in a situation where they can be able to really control themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, with no education, the people that take this local foundation and start stealing money because they won't be really educated to why it's the people's thing anyway. You understand know what I'm saying? With no education, you have neo-colonialism instead of colonialism, like you got in uh, Africa 9, like you got in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Haiti. So what we're talking about is there has to be uh, an educational program. That's very important. As a matter of fact, we are so important for us that a person has to go through six weeks of our political education before he can consider himself a member of the party, able to even run down ideology for the party. Why? Because if they don't have an education, then they know where. You dig what I'm saying? They know where because they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. You, you might get people caught up in the emotionless movement. Uh, you understand me? You might get them caught up in because they're poor and they want something. And then if they're not educated, they want more. And before you know it, they'll be capitalists. And before you know it, we'll have Negro imperialists. There's no educational program here? Uh, that's come out of social life. It occurs to me that the problem is us. The problem is black people. The problem isn't Umar. The problem isn't, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the necessarily, necessarily just Roland Martin, necessarily just the people on the show. The problem, the problem is us and the lack of political education. What Fred Hampton said in that video is basically, if the people don't have a political education, they just going to end up with a bunch of black neo-colonialists or what we have now, a bunch of black neoliberals. That's how we got Obama. Because we don't have a political education. And we don't even know how to assess our leaders. We don't know how to look at them and tell what's good and what's bad and what's, what's, what's right and what's wrong. And what we're looking for because we, have not, we don't have the political education to assess them. So we go by how much we like them. We go by, the, oh my God, Obama has a beautiful black family. Women were telling me when Obama, he has a wonderful black wife and I will support him. I had a woman tell me I will support Obama as long as he's married to Michelle. That's a person devoid of any political education. And we all did that. Well, not all. Yeah, nearly all. In record numbers. In record numbers, we come out for people. 
because they are, we, we say they are, you know, you know, necessarily they're, well, they're black or we like them because they're black or they, they, they seem good or, or they seem genuine. That's not how you assess who you're going to support in terms of a political education. That's not how you do it. That's not how we make that. And I think this, I think what this video from Fred Hampton should be how we have our, this is our litmus test. Right? You should know. Like he said about Papa Doc. Yeah, he Papa Doc didn't like white people. Right? But then he turned in to be the worst thing. That's but that's what happens. So we end up just supporting people because they're black because we don't have any political education. We don't know what we're looking for. We don't say we're the people. We don't see ourselves as a collective who we put ourselves first as the priority, but then we make allyship for people who support us. That's what is supposed to be happening. But we don't have the political education to do it. So we blame everybody else. We blame the leaders. And we blame Obama. And we blame, and he has his share of the blame. Or those of you who don't like Umar, you blame him. Right? Or you blame any other leader who, who has the forefront. I don't care who it is. Understand that part of the reason that the people that we don't like get to where they are is because we have no political education. Now, I'm not criticizing Umar specifically. Like I said earlier, he has some, some points I agree with and some points I disagree with. I got that with everybody, right? I think he wants what's best for black people, though. And so, but my point is, in terms of selecting what you select and who you select, you have to do that with a political education. And we're walking around trying to do physics and we don't know math. You can't do physics without math. You can't do politics without a political education. And that's where we are. And that's why we got this black misleadership class. That's why we got Obama. That's why we get people who talk sweet to us like the Clintons. Who do, who do dirt to us in terms of policy. And we still love them for 10, 15, 20 years. That's how we get there. We don't have a political education. And we're going to have to fix that. If we can't fix that, we're finished. You can't just be down with whoever is black. You can't be down with, you got to be down with whoever has your, the best black agenda. Wherever you go, you should say, show me your black agenda. Show me your black agenda. Show me your agenda for African Americans. I want to see it. Put it on the paper. If they don't have it, I'm walking out. I don't want to see no general agenda for general people. Ain't no such thing as no general people. We have a specific <laughs> ailment which requires a specific claim. That's just like you go in somewhere and you have an infection. I want to see your treatment. What is your antibiotic treatment for this infection? Are you going to wash it out with solutions and give me a pill? What are you going to do? You can't just tell me you're a general practitioner. I No. What are you going to do for this? This is my cut right here. What are you going to do for this? It's infected. I have a specific problem. I need a specific answer. And that's what we are. But in order to know that your cut is infected, you have to know something about biology. You have to know what to look out for in terms of cuts. How do you tell if a cut is infected? Is it inflammation? Is it pus? What is it? You have to know something about it. And we're in this political game and we know nothing about politics. We have no political education. We don't even know who these people were. We don't know the history of black radicalism in this country and, and, and how that has informed who we are much more than Jay-Z or anybody else. Like that is, that is much more of a history of who we are in terms of how we tried to even Martin Luther King. When you talk about him in the direction, he was a democratic socialist. What do you do with that? You have to understand we have to create something for a political education in this country. 
You got something to say about the video, Aaron? Oh, I think it's a lovely video. I think, uh, I mean, the part when he said that uh, if you give poor people money but no education, they've been poor. All they want is to like, is to live and they, they're just going to want more. They're going to want more. They're going to want more yeah. because they don't have the political education into freedom. And notice, he wasn't talking about a financial education. He wasn't worried about the bankers making bad investments or squandering the money. He was worried about the bankers stealing because they didn't know the bankers without the political education aren't going to know that they work for the people. And the people without the political education aren't going to know how to hold the bankers accountable. So you can't have a bank without political education of the people. It's an education into freedom. Not financial literacy, not a technical... Say that again. Say that again. An education education into into freedom. freedom. Not financial literacy, not technical education. An education into freedom. And that's the education that will make sure that you know how to appoint leaders and administrators who have the community's interest in mind, and you'll know how to keep those leaders and administrators accountable. And you know how to spot the ones immediately. Immediately. You don't have to waste eight years with Obama. You'll know how to spot the people immediately who don't have the community's interest in mind. You'll know what questions to ask because you'll have the background, you'll have that political education. We are in a battle right now, black people. In the black community, we're in a battle in this country between freedom and financial literacy. It's freedom versus financial literacy. You only get to choose one. What? No, without that education, he said you'll get swept into the emotion of the movement. You won't vote for Obama because of his black agenda. You'll vote because you yep. like Michelle's dress. Which and that's exactly a problem. That's a problem for people who want, for black people who want to keep their homes. Right? That's a problem for yep. black people who got foreclosed on. Yep. Like, we shouldn't vote for Michelle's dress. We should vote for Obama's housing. How are you going to keep black people in their homes? How are you going to make sure black communities have assets that they can pass on to their children? Like, that's the agenda. That's like our lack of political education. Let people like Obama slide. And we let our politicians slide because we don't have a political education. Because either we're poor and we want stuff, so we don't know how when enough stuff's enough stuff, or when to share our stuff. Yeah, and then, and then people always tell me, well, we're not going to get reparations. Well, put that thing up, that clip up about baby bonds. If we're not going to get reparations, and I don't think that's something we should ever give up on because that's what we need. It's what we do. No, not just what we need. Yeah, it's what, what we do. It's yeah. services for, we, we, you know, it's, it's payment for services rendered. We already did the work. We just, we just want the payment for it. <laughs> and so even if you're not going to talk about that, why can't we talk about baby bonds? That was something that was brought up by um, Derek Hamilton. And uh, Sandy Darity, uh, uh, you know, both professors, about dealing with the problems that we have. This would give this would give this would give the, the you know um, people who were born into poverty who are disproportionately black, disproportionately African American, money at birth in terms of a bond, whether it's twenty thousand or fifty thousand or whatever, depends on how poor. And you would be able to use those bonds later in life to, to suspend them on assets, whether that's a house or whatever. They would give you that would give you money that you were not that you since you were not passed down generational wealth. That would be the government giving you some generational wealth to get started with. So if you're not going to talk to me, because I have a lot of people say, "Well, reparations never going to happen." Well, why aren't you even talking about baby bonds then? Why aren't you talking about anything? The solution can't be. Just do business with black people. The government has a responsibility. And what we cannot do is keep allowing the government to walk away from that responsibility. Because nobody else allows the government to walk away. Bankers get their money. Farmers get their money. 
the, the people who make jets get their money. Everybody is getting a subsidy. Except for who? Us. And, and the, the, the stupidest thing that we do is say, well, it's not going to happen anyway. It's not your job to decide what's possible. It's your job to have a political imagination, decide what you need, what your family needs, what everybody in your community needs in order to be okay. That's our job. Our job is to worry about ourselves first and decide what policy solutions best aid us and aid our community. That is our only job. And we can ally with people to meet the, the more general needs of the community. We can certainly do that as long as they understand that we're at the bottom. We don't have, we're, we're doing worse than everybody. We don't have time to be talking madness. We're putting ourselves first. You have to understand we're in an emergency situation. So we're putting ourselves first. That's the first thing. If you're going to be an allyship with us, you got to understand. And it's not because we're selfish. We've been the longest. We're in the worst position and we're putting ourselves first. If you understand that, then we can do some business. If not, you can keep it pimping, pimping. <laughs> you can do that. Cause we're on a mission and we got to be on a mission. And talking about what, who is and who is not inspiration is not helpful to the conversation. We have to start talking about policies. We have to start creating groups in our community where we get together and we talk about articles. You all get the articles that I send. Get together with people and talk about them and, and, and what that means and what you can do in your community and how that affects your community and what that means in terms of how you interact with local officials. Get together and read these books. We gotta. We still gotta do the Booker conversation. We gotta do that conversation. It's gonna be real interesting after everything's come out. But get together. I had the Color of Law the other day. That book. Get together and have. Don't have people started. You remember the nineties? People had all these investment clubs with no money. Yeah. Let's get together now and talk about political education. That's what we need to do in our Breaking Brown chapters. Let's talk about. Let's read about the assassination of Fred Hampton and what that says about still the, the 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 corrupt Chicago police and how do we get these police in check? Let's talk about all of that. But these police are never going to be in check as long as we ain't got no money, because you can treat poor people any kind of way. We need to get what we're owed some kind of way, and we need to understand. We need to understand what it means to be the people. We need to understand what it means to be the proletariat. We need to understand the responsibility that comes with that and the things that we should look for when we're looking at politicians and how to assess those politicians. So if you're ready to go to the phones, I mean, I am too. I don't want to take up too much time. I know I took up too much time last week. Whew. But yeah, I don't know how we do it without... A, I mean, Fred Hampton, exactly. There's no way to do it without a political education. It just doesn't happen. Hello? Hey. No, I can't hear you. Hold on a second. No, turn on your, turn up your thing. Turn up. See if you turn this up. Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes, I totally agree with you. We definitely need reparation. That's what's needed um, to redress what was done to us as a people. Um, listening to you. I'm in total agreement with you. And but one thing I want to bring up though that if we did get reparation, it would undo so much of, of the United States, so much of white life, you know, so much of the white identity, uh, white stability, it, it's based off of blacks failure 
blacks being oppressed. I just feel like if we did get reparation, I feel what's to stop whites from just killing us, genociding us. I mean, I know it sounds absurd, but that's a consideration, something to consider. And listening to Umar Johnson, I'm not a Pan-Africanist, but he always talks about like the need for African-Americans or black Americans to have like a country to advocate for us. And, you know, I don't know the likelihood of that ever happening though, but because, you know, we don't really, our cultural uh, family ties with Africa was cut during slavery, but just something I wanted to bring up. How, what, what do you think of the likelihood of us having a state outside the United States to kind of push for reparations or even it's nonsense? Yep. Yep, never gonna happen. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Hi, you on? Hello? Hello? Yes. Am I on? Yes. Yeah, you're on. Is Come that on. me? Yes, yeah. that's you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, I love the show. Been listening since it started. However, I'm in complete disagreement when it comes to you with Umar Johnson. And not necessarily his rhetoric, because his rhetoric, you know, he has his opinions and he states them and what he feels and what he believes is the solution. It, it comes, my disagreement is is his finances and when you're talking about political education and people don't understand it and finance financial education people understand it this is one of the things people don't understand when you look into what umar is um is financing he he has he has no transparency so you're telling me this man that raised seven hundred thousand dollars that 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 has no accountability there's no accounting there's no transparency of where the money is going. Okay. So when you're you're I, you're kind of focusing on his rhetoric to say that your agreements and disagreements, but it also goes with the, the political you know education and financial education that you know you should look. It, okay. No. That's, no. That's, no. I get it. I get it. I mean, but I, yeah. financial. I mean, transparency is important. I get it. But the truth of the matter is, I haven't followed his 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 funding account. Some people were saying they have received emails that 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 where the money went. Some people say they have not. I haven't followed it enough to know. But I think if you're not being transparent, that's a problem. Yeah. I think if you're not, I think if I think especially if you're telling people you're going to build a brick and mortar school, it's not like he told people you know just you know support me, be Umar, and travel around the world. If you're saying I'm going to build a school, that's important to be transparent. I agree with that. I just haven't. I don't. I don't ever speak on something I don't know. And I haven't received the messages from, you know, I, I didn't donate, so I didn't receive messages from him. And I had people, some people say, well, I received some messages, so I, I don't know what they're talking about. And I had, some people say, like, he wasn't responsive at all, and I don't know what's going on in school. So I just, I don't know, so I left it out. I, I, had, I, I don't know. Right. You on? Hello? Hey, how are you? Good, Hello? how are you? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. I've been watching your been watching your channel for a while and I do agree with a lot of what you say. And um when you was mentioning about 
what the government did, like with Jay Z, how he led into projects and everything. Uh-huh. I remember my I found out my grandmother in the nineteen forties, and I did a lot of research that black people during that time was able to get their own land before these projects and stuff was built. You know. Uh-huh. And I think. They said the government did set this up to stop having black stuff on how they own land, like land that of they course. pay for every year. Of course. I do believe during my grandma's decade, during when she was young, I think during that time, black people had a little bit more opportunities than they do now because of what government has done and what they set up with these projects and everything. All right. All right. Thank you, Tom. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay. No, well, land grabs are the truth. Land, yeah. like the government wanted a lot of black land, and then they found a way to take it. And then they, they there was this great article about um, it was in the newsletter I think last week about how they they had this this whether it was whether you had an, whether you if you couldn't be a lot for a lot of this land if you couldn't show you know um, a will or anything like that there was stuff you couldn't get you couldn't they, they made it impossible for you to maintain the land right so you couldn't get stuff from FEMA you couldn't you couldn't have a mortgage you couldn't do a lot of stuff because you didn't have the money to have you know it set up it's just so many ways that they have decided to take and steal and so that's the thing for me like you can't you can't you can't say I'm going to steal from black people and and that's the government. And then me say, well, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna believe that I'm African, like, and I'm gonna do business with black people. That's fine, but your people don't have no money because of the government. You can do business with your people. You can do business with black people. We can do business together. But it still doesn't change the fact that the people I'm doing business with don't have money, and that's a government problem. That's a policy problem. Hello. Hey, good evening. This is uh. Hey, good evening. This is Isaac calling from out of Kentucky again. Hey. Um, I just wanted to kind of follow up on. Hey, hey. You guys have been killing it. Between you guys and Antonio, uh, <laughs> you guys have been going in this last week. I just wanted to say, speaking of Umar, I've been commenting about how right now we're in the second gutted era. Umar is literally a repeat of Marcus Garvey. Uh huh. That's not gonna work. When Marcus Garvey was traveling around, the only thing that actually works in the world when you're dealing with neoliberalism, the same you had back then, uh-huh. is a political machine. Okay. Black, we don't have a political machine. We don't have the ability to appoint anybody. We don't have patronage machines. Or you have somebody like an Umar who's saying, you know, I'm going to Africa. I'm going, dude, Africa runs on political machines over there. Mm. So when you have folks that are talking about Oh, well, we can do this without... Oh, and that's the one thing I want to get on with the business people. You have a lot of folks to talk about, oh, you guys always want to run to the white man for money. You guys are afraid to do stuff. You always need the white government. You can't do anything when the government is a lender of last resort. Mm. You know, look at Washington Mutual. Look at Wachovia. Look at all these major industries that went under because they did not have a connection to the federal government. Because they did not have an attachment to political machines in Chicago or in Detroit or in Kansas. Mm. You can't do anything without a political machine. If you can't appoint and you can't get patronage, you're never going to be able to talk about getting reparations. 
You don't yeah. have a foot at the door. Yeah. Politics is not about morality. It's mm. about interest. Ooh, it's ooh, not ooh. a moral. This is not a moral game. And politics requires standing power. That's why people don't want to talk about it. We have somebody, I think, in thought of uh, the comment section of one of the other videos talking about Jay-Z and about self-responsibility. And, you know, it's about saving and doing all this. I said, there's no amount of hustling or saving that you can do that's going to outdo a government policy. Ooh. You're never going to beat a political machine. Garvey lost a political machine. Du Bois lost a political machine. Martin Luther King lost a political machine. Malcolm X, when he died, everything that he created when he was alive died with him. Ooh. You're not going to beat political machines. And African Americans have done everything. The New Negro Movement, the Garveyite Movement, the, the, the Nation of Islam. Yep. Right? All the civil rights movements. Without a political machine, which requires standing power. Businesses don't require standing power. Oh, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to open up another business. You can do that. Politics requires you to fight to get policy, fight to keep policy, fight to expand policy. That's why everybody talks about, oh, you're scared because you want to become a, a, a political movement. Dude, political movements requires organization. It requires education. It requires inside knowledge. I was reading uh, there's a, a document, there was an article on Bloomberg talking about the Irish Americans in this country. And granted, I know you can't use white people because mm -hmm. they're white, but it talks about the occupations that they dominate. Irish Americans make up 13% of all management when it comes to firefighters. 13% in the country. They make up 12% of first line supervisors of police and detectives. They make up 11% of all lawyers, judges, magistrates, and other judicial workers. They make up 11% of all appraisers and assessors of real estate. They make up all 11% of all firefighters in this country. They make up 11% of surveyors, cartographers, and uh, photogrammatists. This is on the Bloomberg uh, Irish American Student, Irish American Job. You're talking about people who are affiliated with everything that goes from real estate, right? Yeah. Police departments. Fire departments, those are those are social programs. Those are government programs. And I, I'm of myself, and even when you talk about why are Irish Americans so pro-police, why are they so mock pro-law enforcement, for us, we look at it as an idea of, oh, they're just anti-black. Irish Americans look at it as, these are institutions that allowed us to create a political machine. Mm. You're never going to see anybody talk about defunding fire departments. You're never going to see people talk about defunding, uh, let's go ahead and defund the, the second judge's courts. You 11%. 11% of around this country, whether you live in Chicago or you live in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, chances are you put 10 judges, one of them's going to be Irish. Mm. You get, you get uh, 100 police captains, commissioners, chiefs, 13 of them are going to be Irish. That's political power. Yeah. And guess what? They get to pass that on to their children. When you talk about it uh, at real estate, dude, do you know how, how in police departments have when it's time to re-line re districts, when it's time to redline districts, when it's time to bring in new property? What do you, who do you think gets the first bids on it? Who do you think knows about that? Firefighters? Mm. Police departments? Mm. Folks that have connections with magistrates? And you have people that say, so we have this argument where you get these new age philosophers, and these new, I know you guys here on the field, yeah. you have people who come and listen to these guys and talk about, oh, well, we can do it with finance, or we, we can hustle our way. Hey, once you send me $20, 
we're going to do a go fund me for a movie to tell you about how to do uh, politics, then you can buy my movie for $20, and then I'm going to have you guys come to my conference and pay another $30. Dude, black America doesn't have 70 bucks, 60 bucks to put out there. Because I'm listening to you, tell them you can start a business, and if you don't do it, you're a coward. <laughs> Political machines Thank create patronage to Thank create you. those businesses, to maintain those contracts. Thank you, Carla. I appreciate the long term contract. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Carla. Yeah, hey. I. Ooh, wee. No, we got an institutional. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do community uplift. That means we need to build political institutions. We need groups that will survive our personality, that will survive your mouth and your mind. We need Breaking Brown to survive us. Yeah. To push for the politics we need as a community. It can't just be a cult of personality. No, it, it can't just be, be about event. It can't just be about irony. It yeah. don't matter. I don't matter. Like, I mean, and I get it. I mean, I, I, one of the things that Carlos said that stood out to me, I wrote it down. He said, politics is not about morality. It's about interest. And I think we are, we don't understand that. And we are up against some of the most immoral people that the planet has ever known. And we are some of the most moral people. I think you deal with moral people morally. But I think you deal with immoral people how you got to deal with them. You don't get to, you don't get to do the kumbaya stuff. Can't we all just get along? We are humans. They're not treating us like humans. And that's why we got to deal with them. This is about our interests as a community. It's not about, you know, I'm going to do the best thing for you because, you know, that's what I should do. No, 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 no. Because I need for my community to survive and then thrive in that order. Okay? So, ooh, what a great call. Next yeah, call, I've you got. Oof. Hello? Hey. Turn your, turn your computer down. John. John. Uh, John from uh, Orlando. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. Good. I was uh, listening in, uh, and I was uh, really uh, moved by um, watching that clip with the uh, the uh, Black Panther leader there. Okay. And what he was saying about being for the people, and I think that's that's the thing that's missing from from all the talk. You know, um, most of what we we're into and we listen to. We're more into uh, oh, so this guy's getting money, and this is the you know being the capitalist and being this version of that. But it's not about like you've been saying community uplift. How does it work yep. for the community? Yep. And until we can get that part right. I think uh, we have a long ways to go as far as the people who we lift up. Because most of the people who are, like you said, getting money or they're that one guy that's standing out there and they're making millions or whatever, that's, that tends to be the people we tend to worship. But the guy that fights for the, the liberty of the group, you don't hear nothing about any guys like that. So it's, uh, I think that's something we need to start pushing at the forefront as a community. I agree. I agree, Carl. Thank you. I agree. I mean, we, we have to, we have to, somewhere, somewhere along the line, I don't know where, we got into this rugged individualism stuff, and, and that doesn't work as long as, you, that doesn't work. That only works for sharks. And when, when you, to be a shark, you have to have capital in America. I mean, real capital. And it doesn't work. Like, the only thing that, the, the things that we have accomplished in, in this country, we have accomplished as a group. 
we have our group and then we have we have had alliances with people and with shared interests or whatever, but it comes from here. Right? That's what we did. That's how we get it done. And I, I don't know what else to tell you. All this stuff you've been told about, you can do it by yourself, that's just not true. There's, no, there's nothing in our background, in the background of the sinister slaves in this country and everything we've done, there's nothing to indicate that that's true. It comes from here. Hello, hey, how are you doing? Pretty good, how are you? Hey, am I on? Okay, great, great. This is, as usual, you guys are really kind of hitting all bases. But there, there is an elephant in the room. Ooh. And this elephant is in the room in every show you do. Uh-oh. And, and I've really been hoping at some point um, that we deal with the elephant in the room. And I'm going to get to that elephant by through that statement that the brother made that you repeated a minute ago by saying politics is not about morality, it's about interest. Okay. Well, the question that's Im embedded in that is why would black people think it's about morality? Okay. Why? Uh -oh. I, what, what would make us choose morality over oh, okay. interest in the battlefield, the ruthless battlefield of politics? Mm. Well, lurking in the background of this probably is um, an argument that happened between Stokely Carmichael and Dr. Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King had just written uh, a piece that I think was later included in uh, Strength to Love where he said, uh, where he characterized the civil rights movement in these words, and I'm paraphrased, he said, if black people are to win the affections of white people, then it would behoove them uh, to appeal to their better interests. Uh, Stokely Carmichael took serious issue, as I do with that, um, that, you know, the civil rights movement was about winning the affections of white mm. people. But Stokely Carmichael asked a serious question uh, when Dr. King said that. He said, Dr. King, why do black people have to be more moral than white folk? Mm. Dr. King didn't have an answer for that. Now, I, I need you to understand, this, this is very crucial. We have to go back to 1938 to really get the grasp of that question. Okay. When Benny Mays and, and uh, 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 Howard Thurman and Gardner C. Taylor uh, visited uh, Gandhi, and, okay. and Gandhi asked them upon coming in, uh, he said, well, your movement is doomed to fail because no movement uh, uh, on the history of the earth uh, uh, to liberate oppressed peoples has been done by adopting the religion of their oppressor. Uh-oh. Now, this is the elephant in the room that I'm saying that is behind everything you say, Yvette, behind everything Dr. Umar is talking about, behind everything Army, everything Voice Watch, everything. It is the elephant in the room that you have to deal with because it is the stone, the roadblock in the mines installed on the hard drives of black people that is stopping them from actually comprehending what you're saying. Think about, think about this for a minute. If I can destroy your whole entire community and you do nothing back because a book tells you to turn the other cheek, think of the power in that. If I control the person you get on your knees and pray to, I control you. 
when you look at the movie uh, uh, with the brother Nate Parker and his depiction of Matt Turner, the irony in that movie that was very just terrifying to me that I think a lot of people missed was he never really got rid of the true source of his bondage. He never got rid of it. Even to the point where he was being lynched and his head is to the sky, he is still has he still has this vision of this religion that is going to emancipate him, which in my estimation was actually the source of what ultimately killed him. And what is ultimately the source that kills everything uh, uh, as it relates to black people uh, in America uh, when we're talking about emancipation. Because again, all of what you're talking about is, is, is at such a deep level that I could never even get to that point because you're dealing with, because I'm dealing with, because you're fighting against when you're talking to me about it, thousands of years of programming that has been put on our hard drive. Now, of course, 500 years in America, but this 2,000-year-old narrative about Jesus was. Now, I'll end it with this. The Jesus, I, I, I'm an ordained Baptist minister, and I'm a theologian, I'm a civil rights attorney, I'm an academic. Mm, but I have to be clear on this. The Jesus that we have in America is not an emancipatory Jesus. It is a Jesus of bondage. What do I mean when I say that? I always ask black people, I say anytime you're going to start talking about emancipation, uh, in particular as it relates to black people, you're going to have to deal with with that religion thing. But you have to start by getting rid of Jesus of the Bible. You have to get rid of that. And, and when I say that a lot of black people, especially as a Baptist minister, they say, you're nuts. I say, well, tell me what is more important to black people? The Jesus of the Bible that was programmed onto your cognitive hard drives in slavery or the historical actual narrative of Jesus as a black man who lived his life in protest against government and was ultimately executed by state-sponsored violence. Uh -oh. Now, if that's not a direct correlation, if that's not a direct correlation to Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Renisha McBride, Jonathan Farrell, Eric Gardner, Amadou Diallo, if that's not a direct lineage to that Jesus, then I don't know what is. Now, the Jesus we have today is the Constantinian Jesus, the fall of the uh, 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 what James Cone, black theologian, calls the fall of Christianity, which is when Constantine, a Roman uh, emperor, adopted the religion uh, as a political maneuver to enhance his grip on the empire. Okay. When that happened, the Jesus uh, 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 of the Greco-Roman world became aligned with empire. Fast forward 1,500 years, that same Jesus of empire is used to enslave cognitively the minds of black people. Now, that's a real quick and dirty primer uh, 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 as it relates to what happened. So the only thing I'm saying at some point is that and army, you're gonna have to get to that elephant in the room because a lot of what you are talking about is running up against the religious virtue uh, uh, of black people that's not even theirs. It was put on them and they don't even realize it. So you have to undo what the preacher is doing on Sunday morning. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 but you a Baptist minister. 
Yeah, I'm a Baptist minister, but I have, you know, a lot of this, you got to realize, I went to, to a seminary at Yale. I didn't really understand the full depth of white supremacy until I got to Yale. I did not really get it. I did not understand what the true source of our bondage was. I mean, it, 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 it always says the hell of a thing that what white people have done uh, to us in this country. But I am clear that one of the main mechanisms of our bondage uh, uh, wasn't just the whip, wasn't what the news, uh, all that stuff was uh, was horrible and, 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 and uh, uh, in and of itself, but it is not what has kept us in bondage after Reconstruction, the Civil War and all that. We are still in bondage. What, what you saw with Umar and Roland Martin, you witness, you know, uh, 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 a, a, a fight between free Negro and not so free Negroes. And, and I always say you can't get to the, you can't really get to fighting white people. I, I said it before a few weeks ago on the show. It's a privilege to be able to fight white people. You can't even get to that point because Roland Martin, Donna Brazil, Joy Reid, uh, all those people are going to stand up to fight back against you. That's true. From daring to even scratch the surface of white supremacy. That's true. That's true. Thank you, Carla. I appreciate it as always. I appreciate it as always. You know, I've been reading. One of the things I realized in terms of Christianity, I've been reading a lot lately. Um, And I realized that there is a black sort of radical tradition in Christianity that has been buried and sort of hidden from us and replaced with this passive um, interpretation of Christianity. And so what I think, I'm not, I wouldn't tell anybody to give up their religion. I think what we need in terms of religion is a new interpretation. And we need to understand who our true forefathers were in Christianity. And it's not Creflo Dollar. And it's not any of these other people. It's the people who were fighting for the liberation of black people in a radical way. And and like like this Baptist minister said, I know he tricked everybody. He was talking about that he came forward and said, I'm a Baptist minister. He said, I need you to understand that Jesus that fought, that Jesus that fought the state and died as this black. I need you to I need you to be him. That Jesus, not this Jesus. I need you to be that Jesus. So I think I, I think what has to happen um, is that we have a reinterpretation of of Christianity as African Americans, and there are some forefathers there. I'm reading some books that I'm right now um, that 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 show me that there are some there. We do have a tradition of that. I never thought it existed until I found these books, and I realized that these people have been buried for a good reason. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about in terms of forgiving, it, the, the, you know, there is that that I've been told that that's a misinterpretation as well. There's no forgiving without recompense and redress. So you're supposed to make it. You're supposed to make it right and, and and compensate me and do all that before I forgive. It's not supposed to be just I forgive you the minute it happened. We're supposed to get justice first, and then we commence to forgiving. We have gotten this very passive <laughs> interpretation of Christianity that, that that I don't think benefits us in any way. Um, and we've gotten some prosperity preachers out there who want you to think your way out of it as opposed and read your Bible out of it as opposed to you getting involved in black politics. I don't think if you're in a church like that, I think you need to find a new church, find a new way to go because I think the call is right. That gets into in the way of our black politics when that's the way that you interpret your Christianity. You need a new pastor. You're on. Hey, what's up, Yvette? What's up, uh, Army? What's going on? 
Thank you guys all for the day. I love, I love you guys so much. Um, I kind of want to respond to the last call. I agree with everything he said, but I kind of want to um, go back to what you guys are saying. Is everything starts with politics because I don't know my research all that well, but I do know when when um, George Bush was president, did he pass some kind of some kind of policy, some kind of bill that gave reference to like the mega black churches that uh, kind of helped pacify so many of our black so many of our black. Uh, uh, communities with these churches, I see the Crestwell dollars and all these people with the private jets. So even politics goes into a religion. The thing is, we, we we cannot run away from politics. You are like right on the money, and I think our biggest problem is I hate to say the mindset, but just more so, just getting people just awake enough to just uh, want to do something about it. If you have enough people in place like yourself, like Army, like uh, Tone Talks, we can start making some headway. Uh, this is the first time I ever heard, uh, saw that clip before the captain, and um, I'm going to start researching him because that was phenomenal. This dude was 21 years old, mm-hmm. yeah. and he was speaking about stuff that's still relevant today. I mean, even more so because what he was saying in that clip was that we have been, we have basically become what we're trying to uh, get the people yep. to understand without the education yep. because the thing is we have been bred into this system without any kind of education and now the only way descendants of slaves black folks can get ahead is by stepping on the backs of us you know the whole lab in the bear I know you have to get this uh, one of the shows that I want to get out reason have in a kid whole thing. No one ever said the crap that gets out the buck can never come back with a rope or a flying <laughs> The reason another crap is pulling him down is because he's stepping on their fucking necks and backs to get out of that bucket and leave everybody behind. Yep. I hope that was good, but that's all I got. No, thank you. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the crab ain't coming back. The crab that do get out the barrel, he gone. He's scared with his little feet, his little claw hands, or whatever you call. He gone. The crab that do get out the barrel, he ain't coming back. And and that's what you have when you have these multimillionaires and billionaires. And people say, well, Magic Johnson created jobs. He creates the same kind of jobs that white people create with the same money. The black people who work for his Starbucks wasn't doing no better. They work for his McDonald's or yeah, poverty wages. They wasn't doing no better. And he gone. They ain't coming back. And they don't make it easy for you to come back. They make it difficult for you to come back. When you come back, they make it hard and your life is hard because everybody that you come back for is poor and everybody wants you to do everything and you can't do everything because you don't have that kind of money. And so you feel bad and they feel bad and then they're going at you and y'all going back and forth. And so you have this kind of relationship where you can't even have a real relationship with your people because they're always angling to get money from you because your community isn't stable. You have to give up this dream, people. Of everybody going to be a millionaire, multi-millionaire. You don't understand that if you have money, if you got five hundred thousand, life is good. You ain't gotta. You don't have to do that. And if your 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 if everybody on your street and your family got money and they're just they're stable, ain't nobody struggling in jail on welfare section eight. Everybody's decent. You don't understand that life is good. You gotta stop being like, well, I'm just gonna make a million. That crab ain't coming back. That he gone. He ain't coming back. He gonna leave everybody in the bucket. And I think. I think I think we have to understand that black people, we talk about how much we like that Fred Hampton video. And I think what we have to understand is that we have become Fred Hampton's nightmare. 
We have become what he thought, what he tried to, like he said, what, what he, what Fred had tried to fight against. He said, you have to have political education because if you don't, then, then, then black people will go pick, you know, these, like he was saying, neo-colonials and all that. He will pick neoliberals like Obama if they don't have it. We have become what he fought against. And that's why they killed him. That's why they, they, didn't, he didn't, they didn't want him to teach that. But we got to know that. That video is still around. We got to know that. We got we to gotta understand that we have become everything that he, he died for this. And we're not honoring his death by being ignorant. I don't care if you got money, you got a library. You can save up. You can buy used books now. Just shake them out on the front porch so they won't have bed bugs. <laughs> shake them out on the front porch. That's all you got to do. Like, get the book. Get the political education. That's what we got to do. So, next car. So everybody, I want to thank everybody who called in. I appreciate it. Oh, you. Um, oh you got somebody? Hello? Oh, hello? Yes, real, just real quick, um, okay. if you're trying to wrap things up. Hello? Yeah, I, mean, I hear you. Oh, okay. So I just wanted to follow up real quick. You know, there was this mention of reinterpretation or... Uh, realigning values. Uh, first of all, my name is uh, Mark. I'm from the Bay Area. Okay. Um, hey, and I Mark. appreciate the show. And so um, I wanted to follow up with the, the whole Christianity discussion because I, the elephant aspect was really true in terms, not necessarily with the show, but with these sort of dialogues. We forget how we've been sort of indoctrinated into this moral, you know, uh, paradigm. So but in terms of reinterpreting, reinterpreting the Bible in terms of uh, black people seeing themselves in it, um, you know, you wouldn't need to look any further than like Bob Marley, right? For that example, for that uh, taking it and, and really revealing the, the reality of it as it pertains to us in the diaspora as African people and really actually specifying clearly with prophecy, so forth and so on, if you know that word applies. Um, I think, you know, he could serve as a tutor for that sort of consciousness to sort of be raised. I think a lot of uh, black Christians in America, the, the program that's been set up, you know, it, it removes that sort of I, idea from your mind that you, you know, are a part of this, you know, even from the youth, you know, you don't see yourself in it in any way, shape or form. It's not enough just to say that Jesus was black or he was a revolutionary or anything like that. You actually have to uncover the, the geographical, the scientifical, the, the names, the etymological, all of the aspects of that of that particular document. Mm -hmm. And you will find like from the mentioning of Ethiopia to Kush, all the names, everything. I mean so that, I mean that's enough to just follow up, you know, that part. But um, one other thing was uh, I know you mentioned you were uh, doing a thing about Floyd Mayweather and McGregor. And I was watching some of the press conference uh, footage afterwards, uh, that they had, uh, not the big one, but there was like a, a smaller one afterward that uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. was, uh, you know, he was sort of heckling uh, McGregor. And towards the end of it, he made a comment where, uh, McGregor made a comment where he said, you know, it, it wouldn't take much for me to uh, catch his head low and catch him in a, in a headlock and kind of choke him. He said, uh, what did he say, strangle him. 
And he said, you know, he basically made a, a like a pretty, not veiled, but a pretty obvious threat. Like, you know, this could happen in the ring if you don't watch your mouth, basically. I'll, I'll end up basically lynching him with my arm. Like, I, you know, because I mentioned, I, I remember you saying he's an animal, so forth and so on. He's, he's a lot younger and, you know, Mayweather's a lot older. And just that alone, like, just that kind of talk, that sort of, you know, in, you know, and just the tone, like, is anyone talking about the racial undertones coming from McGregor towards uh, Mayweather and just in the, in the imagery of this? And, you know, I just wanted to leave you with that and then, you okay. know, maybe you can... Okay, thank you. I, I, I mean, I appreciate that. I think I think I, I saw McGregor called him boy or something. I think all of that is just, to, you know, mm-hmm. taking advantage of racial, taking advantage of sort of racial animus um, to sell tickets. And I'm just not buying it. So um, I, I appreciate it, Carla. Um, thank, I want to thank everybody who's in the chat tonight. I saw a lot of what you said. And some of you hilarious and some of y'all were very prescient and... Um, and, 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 you know, and analyzing what we were talking about. I appreciate it. Um, if you want to you support what we're doing, you can go to donatebrown.com. You go to breakingbrown.com and get the newsletter or make a one-time donation or make a monthly donation, whatever you want to do. Please share this in your groups as well. Please go to subscribe to Brown, subscribe to brown.com and subscribe to the, subscribe to, um, just my mailing list. If dates change, if times change, if I can't be here at a certain time and I say I was going to be here, I need to have your email so that I can let you know. So I know a lot of you be like, what happened, Yvette? I thought you got... I sent out an email, so I want you all to be on be on that list. Um, share this with your groups. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe. Hit the bell um, if you can so that you get notifications um, when we're on. And other than that... Other than that, I want to thank you all for and it. Hey, listen, if you if you if you want to get a good book, the I think it's called the Assassination of Fred Hampton. Um, get that, and you can read more about it. Okay. I appreciate everybody coming. You got anything you want to say before we head out? No, I'm just I'm happy. I love that Fred Hampton clip. I think it's important. No. Oh, it is a good. All right, now Breaking Brown family, y'all take care. Don't 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 be no stranger. When we come back, don't drink and drive. Y'all had your libations. Get somewhere and sit down. Ha, ha, ha.